Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Mann. Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. How are you? I hope you're bubbly and cracky and wonderful. I really do. Hey, today on the big show, day 25 of the big social media fast for 40 days. Off the Insta, off the Twits, off the face. And intentionally moving into people's lives, either face-to-face or through a phone call. But uh, definitely reaching out to the people that I love and let them know that I do love them. I hope you do the same. I hope there's a person you haven't talked to in 10 years that comes to mind right now and you're searching for the number to call them. On the big show today, John Mikolas, lead pastor of a church in Pennsylvania. Great guy, dear friend. We're going to talk friendship and lead pastoring. So if you're a pastor right now planting a church, stick for this one. All right, how you doing? Good. We're uh, podcasting. This you're, You would be day, what's today? Hold on, let's figure this out. What is it? 24. Okay, so the 24th, so you're day 25. Who are you? Tell everybody who you are. Because you're at the table. Like, normally these are phone calls over the course. Now yeah, you're, so I'm at the kitchen table. Yeah, so tell me who you are so the p- good people know. I'm John Miklas. I'm husband of Christine Miklas. You, you, you had to think about it. You were like, okay, go ahead. Father of Daniel and Alicia Daniel Miklas and Alicia Davis. I am a avid runner and sports enthusiast. I'm a devoted Christ follower. I'm a lead pastor at Cocalico Community Church. Cocalico. Yeah. CCC. Yeah, so a lot of people who know me would listen right now and they'd be like, what is a lead pastor doing at your house from Pennsylvania? Who looks just like you. Yeah, and it was my same initials. You're JM, I'm JM. Same I, hair color. Yeah, but I'm much, like I keep telling you, I'm much more beautiful. And I use the word beautiful appropriately. In I the think. eye of the beholder. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are you doing out in San Diego? What are you doing hanging with me this week? I think people would be curious. Just needed some R&R and had a few friends to come out and visit, and you're in that circle. So thought I would come hang out at your place and bug your kids for a week. Yeah, and you've done that, and I appreciate that. Mia is sitting next to us, a.k.a. Black Daughter. Um, you have cheese literally hanging from your mouth. Um, okay, so let's, okay, so let's get into it. So And meet your lovely wife, Di, and wonder how she survived you all these years. That's not funny. None of that is humorous to me at all. Okay, okay so the basic premise of the 40 days is I'm off the face, the Insta, and the twit. And I'm going face-to-face with people to let them know how much they mean to me. So you and I meet, and this is actually kind of a funny story. So you and I meet at a Larry Crab uh, conference, which was the School of Spiritual Direction. Correct. Because we both wanted Did you know what you were getting into when you went to Larry's School of Spiritual Direction? Uh, No idea. I had read a bunch of Larry's books and seemed interesting. I was on sabbatical and needed something to do, so... Why not? Give yeah. it a shot. Yeah, but you weren't like, oh, man, I really want to get into spiritual direction. No way. Didn't yeah. know. So no. you were just curious about just it. Just curious. Yeah, and the sabbaticals thing. Yes. So you're just killing time. That's basically what you're saying. <laughs> if any of the board of directors of John's Church is listening, that's okay. So we, you, you're, I grabbed the seat next to you. I think you were already sitting I think sitting I was there. sitting down and you sat next to me. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, again, like I'm not, like I've got a lot of pastor friends. 
I, many people know I don't have, you know, I don't do church. I don't do, you know, and I'm using air quotes right now. I've got a tremendous spiritual community around me, but, um, so, but you, you have become like one of my favorite pastors of all time. And it's, and it's, we get this and it's not necessarily because you love Jesus so much either. It's, it's just, it's just, you're a damn good guy. It's just, you're a damn good guy. So what were you, what, like my initial impression of you was, I mean, you were so opposite of me, like completely Absolutely. 100% Night opposite. Day. Yeah. Is that, and is that a good thing? That is, that is. <laughs> for you or for me? Oh, for me, for sure. I don't know about for you. <laughs> you got to speak into that one. Yeah. But here's what's funny. And we were talking a little bit about, a little bit about this last night was we also met two others, uh, Michelle and Pam, who kind of ended up, we, we weren't in the same groups. Like, no. in, so in the school of spiritual direction, everybody kind of splits up into triads. Right. None of us were in the triad no. together, but all four of us have remained friends now. What? Five years later? Four no, years? Five years. Four and a half. Five yeah. years. Yeah. And not only that, but we remain friends. Like we visit each other. Mm-hmm. We know spouses. We know life goals. Mm-hmm. Um, we know how insane each of us is. And believe me, some more than others. True. Like if Pam's listening, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, cheap, I'm looking at it. Yeah, cheap, cheap shot, cheap shot, but I'll take it. And Michelle, obviously, too. Her but, turn's coming. Yeah, her turn's coming. So, um, so, but I, that's unusual for you, or no? Like, is that unusual to like have that kind of friendship? No, I have a lot of pretty significant friendships in my life. Uh, you know, men and women that in the church I'm at that I've had, I've been friends with for 20, 25 years. So. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So part of this exercise too is like understanding that glue. What are your? What are the keys to keeping, owning, being uh, in relationship with people? What, what, like, what are the keys in our relationship, or or even in the four of us that kind of graduated out of that program? Like, what's some of the keys there? Well, obviously, the key to any relationship is time. There has to be time. There has to be trust. There has to be a certain level of vulnerability to go below the surface to not just engage about how's, you know, how's the family, how's the kids, how's work, but what's God stirring up in you and what are the wrestlings in your heart and in your soul and where are the tensions, where are the joys, where are the sorrows, um, what are the hopes and visions and dreams, what are the worries and fears for right now? And when you begin to explore below the waterline, as my buddy Pete Scazzaro would talk about, you know, the, the iceberg stuff, the stuff underneath then that's when real relationship begins to happen. It goes beyond just, hey, how you doing, the casual friendship. And then I think being committed to that relationship over time, and you, you never know when you start that relationship, isn't going to last. There's no way to know that. And you wait and see if it's reciprocal, if it comes back, and if it comes back, and then you return it. Um, and you continue to do that over time, especially at a deep level, um, something pretty amazing happens. Is there... Um yeah, is there, because I, I do know people that, like, don't have a generation of a lot of friends. Like, they don't, like, there's not, like, you know. Our parents. Our parents. Um, yeah, man, I mean, that's, like, good thing. What is the difference in 2019 to keeping a friend versus even, you know, because I do, I see, I see my, I see my transformation on how I will keep and really own a relationship, even if it's touching each other maybe once a quarter or even once a year. I mean, there's some deep, yeah. deep friendships I have. What's what's that? What you know, you know? What's that all about? Are we more aware of these relationships? Well, I think uh, any relationship takes work, takes effort. You know, if you don't put something into it, it's not going to grow. Everything's either growing or dying relationally. Not, relationships don't stay neutral. They don't stay in the middle. 
So if when you re-engage, when you haven't been together for a period of time, you can re-engage at the surface level, or you can re-engage at the surface level and take a step below that, your that relationship is now growing at a deeper level. And it continues to do that over time. doesn't mean you don't touch base on surface things periodically, but there has to be a place in the relationship to take a dive down below that waterline and engage and be present with one another in whatever's going on, the good and the bad. And that's what I think allows relationships to be sustained for the long term. What? Okay, so hard parts of relationships. So I know a lot of people will get in the uncomfortable with their friends. Maybe they've done something. Maybe they've said something. Oh, you're the best, my wife. My wife of 25 years. How you doing? She touched the back of my head in the car today. You want to know what that means, don't you? That's what I'm saying. So uh, what? I didn't say nothing. Everybody's looking at me like I'm the one in the gutter. Y'all mind your business. Okay. Um, but so somebody says something wrong. Somebody does something wrong. Somebody, maybe there's a betrayal. Like, you know, like when you get in those uncomfortable zones, what do you remember? What do you got at? Like, what are foundation stones you keep to make sure that there's, you know, some longevity to the? Because I've hit relationships where there's been betrayal, where there's been great sorrow, where there's been brokenness, like all that stuff. But yet in deep in me is like, keep, keep, keep going. What are the, what are some of those foundation touch spots that you, that you can tell people, hey, keep this in mind? Well, I think you have to be willing for the relationship to last. You have to be willing to work through the messy stuff. You know, you have to be able to say the hard things. You have to be able to extend grace and offer forgiveness. Um, if you can't do that, the relationship's not going to last. So, so, so if you don't extend grace or forgiveness, the relationship's screwed. Well, yeah, at, at a certain level. But I think even above that level is when when messy stuff happens, when misunderstanding, confusion, hurt feelings, uh, tension, unmet expectations, all that stuff's going on. You have to have the capacity to engage that with the other person. And there has to be a willingness to give and receive. So I have to be willing to speak truth to them. I have to be willing to listen and hear what they have to say, be open to the fact that I might have misunderstood it, and that's what caused all of this mess. Or they did something wrong, and I confront them about it, and they take responsibility and own it. And that's where, then that's the next level, is where grace and forgiveness happens. And then once that happens, and there can be a restoration of the relationship. And... Um, I think Gary Smalley said uh, conflict is the doorway to intimacy. And so when you have conflict, but I would say conflict and restored relationship, because you can have lots of conflict. It's not going to help you get closer. But if you have conflict and then that leads you to a restored relationship, then I think the relationship deepens and can continue to go on for a long period of time. Yeah, so you've got to be willing. You have to be willing at some level to walk through the muck. Absolutely. Like 100%. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, because people hear me say I'm all in. Like, I go, I'm, and I mean that. Like, you know, I have friends that are addicted to substances, and I've seen people walk away from them. But I look at them and I go, look, I'm not going anywhere. It doesn't mean there's not boundaries. Right. You can't smoke crack in my house. You know what I mean? You can't, you know, booze it up around my kids. Mm -hmm. But so there's boundaries, but right. I'm not going anywhere. So I'm willing at some level. And that doesn't mean I'm, a, I'm not saying, look at that, look at Jerry, he's a great guy. I'm just saying what, this is how I've learned. So I don't go anywhere, meaning I'm willing at, at whatever cost it is to, to go and sit in that graceful, forgiving spot. And I also hope that you got the same for me, because if you know me, 
<laughs> you know I'm gonna I'm bound to screw something up. My words, it's more or less my words. It's not like I'm gonna do not like I'm gonna scrape your car with something. I'm probably gonna say something. You'll dumb. say you will, but you won't do that. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um okay, so yeah, so that's great. So give me um no, I think another thing that's a part of that is that second part that you said. Obviously, there's one where the relationship breaks down between the two of you, but then the other part you were talking about is when one person or the other is going through really deep waters and being willing to hang in there with them. Right. I think that being willing, what does it look like for me to say, I'm in this with you no matter what, no matter how long? That's what that's what creates relationships that last a lifetime. Yeah. And, I, I, Jesus is, you know, hey, what's the best thing we can know, Jesus? And he's like, love God, love your neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. And that, and and I really do think there's, like, if you've got, if you've got the flow of the love of the divine in you, if you're really firing on the essence of love, meaning you're in acceptance of all the insanity, then you, you have no, I mean, you're not going to even think about loving your buddy. You're not going to, and that's through anything. It's not just good times. It's not like, oh, I love you while... You know, the Philadelphia Eagles are winning. I love you. I hate the Eagles. You know, whatever. I don't Who do you like? The Redskins. Oh, that's right. You're a Skins fan. I, but the I don't Eagles need... won the Super Bowl last year, so you can do a shout-out to all the Eagles fans that are friends of mine. Whatever. The, um, the, I, there's, I, we, we know a guy who's a huge Eagles fan. I don't even want to hear it. They're it's, crazy. It's so crazy. But the Redskins, in just switching topic as we go down that rabbit hole, they take a huge amount of heat for the logo and stuff. I don't care about that. You don't, you don't, you don't care about that no. at all? Because the Indians fan don't don't the Indians fans don't care about Chief Wahoo either. I mean, it's a thing, right? It's just a mascot. Yeah, it's just a mascot. Okay. Well, see, the other side of the coin is it's it's my culture, but I will get there later. Okay. All right. So You're switch Native gear. American. I I actually do. You can ask her. You can ask her. My, Irish and Native American. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Die. What what was my uh, <laughs> what was my mom? My mom was Iroquois, Cherokee. Yeah, well, that's my, where all the craziness comes. No, that it's the Irish. That's where the craziness my, comes from. I think it was my. This is the deal, and I'm going to give you this. I don't think anybody knows this. The uh, only she knows this because I always claim Irish. You know what I mean? Because I mean I'm I'm Irish through and through. But my mom's father, I believe, was from Canada. I, I don't even know. But anyways, there's there's uh, there's some Indian blood in there. And I, I mean I'm not uh, I'm not what's her face, <laughs> Senator. What the hell is her name? I have no idea what matter. you're talking okay. about. Um, okay, so let's so okay, so that's great stuff on friendship. Bottom line is when you're in something, when you're in a relation, you need to be cognitive. You need to be really aware and conscious that you're in a relationship, and it's not you know because some people, man, it breaks real easy for people. Some people walk away real easy, um, but when you're in for longevity, like you are with people who you've known for twenty years. Like, you know, you're, you're in for something and you've got to be willing to, Absolutely. You, you, you've got to, as Pete Scazzaro, you know, Pete, don't you? He's like, a, just a little bit. He's like a buddy of yours. Right? Not really. Yeah. Just casual. Uh, he wrote a book called emotionally healthy church. And what else? An emotionally healthy, healthy spiritual spirituality. Okay. And it's great. Emotionally healthy leader. Yeah. Yeah. That's his thing. Anything? Emotionally healthy women. Yeah, really? Has he got emotionally healthy men? No emotionally healthy men. Is he working on it right I now? I think so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I hope, a lifelong journey. I hope journey. so. I can't wait to hear that. But um, no, but if you want to get uh, Pete Scazzaro's book, I highly recommend "Emotionally Healthy Spirituality" first, because that Correct. it'll set you up in a maturity that you really do need, particularly as you transform in belief. Okay, so let's let's do pastor stuff now. So I have pastors that listen to the podcast. Um, I have, and when I did a a series with a guy who left the pastorate. So now you've been a pastor for how long? Uh, about 27 years. Yeah. 
So, so there's a thing uh, that's happening in 2019 where there's a, an entire generation of people that are like, we're out. We don't want your dogma. We don't want your process. We're out. We're going to go do something else. So um, help speak to some of the some of the kids out there. I mean, I'm 52. I can call them kids um, that are struggling. Yeah. I, I, well, what, what, how old are you? 53? Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I just turned 53. Um, you're still older. The um, so help help some people out there understand, um, you know, whatever you know, whatever is out there. Like, how do you see that generation? How do you see the younger? Because is do you recognize that there's a generation of people that they're out? Do you, do you see mm-hmm. it in your yeah. church? Yeah, the D church is what they're called. You know, that means they were somehow a part of the church. They've kind of grown up in the. Ch- a lot of it's they grew up in the church. Their parents were active in the church. They grew up in the church. And now they're like, I don't really know if I need this. And um, so it's it's a pretty difficult issue because they've seen they've seen the hypocrisy. They've seen people say one thing and do another. They've seen it hasn't really... I, I can live life. I can be a good moral person. Do I really need this? And I think one of the things that you lose when you either abandon the church or you abandon participating in a church, one of the things you really lose is you lose a sense of community. You lose a sense of being part of a group of individuals who, just as we were talking about the relationship side, who um, care about one another, who are engaged in one another's life, who have a common uh, common belief that they that binds them together and are committed to living life with one another. You know, they talk about trees that are out. Uh, when a storm comes through, a tree that's not in a forest is much more likely to go down than a tree that's in a forest because its roots are intertwined. And so, you know, when you hit the hard stuff in life, um, that, that's what ends up happening to people. They, they say, I'm done with all this. I'm done with God. I'm done with the church. And then life, you know, life shows up. And guess what? They come knocking on the door and saying, can you help? Can you be here? And we step into their lives, we walk into it, but it's pretty tough because they have no support system around them to walk them beyond helping them feel good and kind of be in there in the moment, and then it's gone. And it might not necessarily be there over the long haul. So that's one of the strong advocates I would make for being part of a local church community um, is the value in that part of it. Yeah. What do you say to people who say um, local church is all surface, it's all smiling in the lobby and... Maybe we'll go to the Wednesday thing. You know, what do you, be, be, and, and for the record, I've gotten, I ha, I've had occasion to speak at your church a couple of times and be with your people, like really be, and that's been been one of the greatest, um, you know, I, I seriously, like two of the, my favorite road trips have been to see your people uh, in your church and just receive the way I was, particularly by the men's group when we did that uh, pancake breakfast. I mean, good Lord, what a great time we had. So, uh you guys seems to me there's a different operating situation going on culturally than I've seen. And I've been to a lot of damn churches, a lot. And you guys have just a little something different in your sauce. And, you know, obviously it's you deeply care for people. But what are you telling people when they're because I hear it all the time. I feel like my church is surfacy. I don't feel like I'm being known i don't feel like i'm being served some people say the word served i don't feel like i'm being served what do you tell what do you tell is there hope for folks that that feel like that let's say they're living in kansas and not in calcutta where is it calcutta denver 
Denver, Pennsylvania? Yes. Calcutta? Reinholds, actually. What is it? Reinholds. Reinholds. Yes. Um, I would say a couple of things. Uh, You know, I think part of what we, and we experience exactly what you're talking about. A lot of times people come to our church, like, why'd you come to, why'd why'd you come to church? You know, and one of the things that we often ask is what brought you here? And then what brought you back? Because a lot of people come and go and we're like, why'd you come back? And so, one of the things that we hear consistently is people saying, I was just hungry. They don't use the word hungry, but I was looking for something more. doesn't matter if they're a spiritual seeker. They're just kind of checking out faith and maybe re-engaging of a faith that they knew when they were a kid, or, or they've been in church all their life, and they're like, ah, I needed something. I was looking for something more. So people are constantly coming and saying, I'm looking for something more. We've kind of framed that, and then that there's this hunger. There, there's this hunger that's going on inside of people. They don't always know what they're hungry for. And I think what we're recognizing is people are hungry for something more than just going through the motions, and that's what a lot of people experience in church. And when we call people and invite them and challenge them and push them to say, there's something God wants to do below the waterline in your heart and life, not just to change your behaviors on the outside, but to explore what's driving that, what's the motivation underneath of that, what's causing me to live this way, and to say, you know, God's call for you to love one another, and you don't want to love that person. you got to ask yourself, why? you got to be willing to look at that and face that and do that in the context of community and in relationship with one another, because you might not know why, but others are going to tell you why, because they see it and they experience it. And so as we... As we invite, call, challenge, stretch, push people to walk into those places, um, there's a connection there that people are resonating with that I, I think is surprising us because there's this sense in the contemporary church, there has been this sense in some settings, well, you know, don't challenge people too hard, don't push them too much, don't make the challenge too high. And yet my observation, especially with the millennials, they want to be challenged. They want to be stretched. They want to be pushed. They want to do something with their lives and make a difference. They don't want to just go through the motions. But it's not just them. It's their parents. It's even their grandparents who are showing up saying, I don't want to just be going through the motions. So, you know, for us, it's saying there's something more, this call to follow Jesus. Um, And if I'm going to commit myself to following Jesus, then what does it look like for me to love God with everything I have? heart, soul, mind, and strength, fully, we say it. What does it look like for me to do that? Because if I can get a glimpse of that, if I can get my cup and my soul and my spirit filled up with his love, then I have the capacity now to love on other people, no matter how bad or horrible or whether they deserve it or not. And I can pour this love that he's poured into me out into their lives. And that's the loving my neighbor. That's loving others. And we say call it loving others deeply. And that's being in it for the long haul, no matter how long it takes, no matter what it takes, that we're in there with people. And when people get a taste of that, when they get a glimpse of that, when they get an experience, they're like, what, whatever is going on with you, I want to figure that out or get around that or hang out with that or be. And so when Jesus said, the way you're going to know that you're my disciples is not because you know the Bible, not because you can spout off a bunch of verses, not because you're good with your systematic theology, it's how you love one another. That's how people are going to know. And so for us, that's a big part of it. It's not just information, which a lot of churches are wired around information. A lot of churches are wired around activity. For us, it's around transformation. We believe that God wants to change you. He wants to transform you. He wants to do something radically different in your life. Um, And it's not going to happen by yourself, just you and Jesus. It's got to be in relationship, in community, 
um, with the power of God and the work of His Spirit, you know, making those things happen. And so there's something around all of that. We don't really we don't really have it figured out. We don't have a formula for it. Everybody keeps asking. We're like, we don't know. Well, we, you guys have seen tremendous growth in the last few years, right? That's the we deal. We continue to see that in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in a part of the world, like for those of you who don't know where Denver. It's in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Calcutta, Pennsylvania is. Calacico? Uh, what is it? Cocalico. Cocalico. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're right in the middle of, of Amish country, right? Well, there's a lot of religious, yeah, there's Amish, a, Mennonite, there's a religious overtones is the best way to describe yeah, it. Like, so there's would, stores that aren't open on Sunday in our area, for instance. Yeah, it, so. I mean, it's it's super, like, you guys have super religious, dogmatic stuff going oh, yeah. on. a lot of that. dogmatism. Yeah. yeah, so, so and you guys have experienced a lot of grill. So then I, then I, then, then this is what I say, because a lot of times I walk away dealing with you or dealing with uh, our son Angela's pimping prepping for going to a run by straightening his hair out um (laughs) um a lot of people i walk away from your church knowing that you guys do the present really well like i don't think that's i don't think the evangelicals i think by and large haven't done a good job of of anchoring themselves in the present with explain what you mean by that well i just mean i mean i guess the last time that i was there and we were in the lobby together you were very, very present with people's lives. Now, you may have not known specific circumstances about Mary, who you've seen a couple times in the last year, mm-hmm. but you were present enough to really, you know, stop and and see how she was doing sincerely, authentically, vulnerably, mm-hmm. you know, inv- going into her story and really understand that. And that's where I find a big disconnect for a lot of churches that just don't stay present uh, in in people's lives. Now, that's not to say that's how the church is supposed to function. Like the church isn't supposed to be, "Hi, we're here for you. Come on in. Let us stroke your ego for five seconds, and then hope we make you feel better." But there's a presence with you, which is why I call you one of my favorite pastors because you're able to stay with it, versus make it about you know process, methodology, what buildings, we're doing next, programs, buildings, yeah. programs, yeah. the whole nine years. And again, I'm not saying, listen, if you're building your church out there, and I know a few of you are planters, and you'll be calling me, bitching at me tomorrow, um, I'm not saying all that All those things a, are important. All those things are important, and of course, we want a daycare, we want a food bank, like whatever. You want to do that, that's great. But I do think there's, like, Jesus was, was <laughs> Jesus was able to stay present with, mm-hmm. with the pe- person in front of him. And, mm-hmm. and for the record, it might have hurt a little bit. It might have hurt a little bit, but you guys do a real good job at doing that. Thanks. Thanks. And I think for me, some of that has been my own journey in leadership, moving from my focus being about growing the church, which was pretty heavily my focus for about the first 15 years, to really God working in my own heart to say, I, you know, can you just be content where we are, where you are? And I just want you to love the church, love the people who are here. What's okay, that look so, like? Yeah. So that's, so you're, so here's what you're saying. You're saying first 15 years, I'm like consumed with how many people are sitting in grow, the seats. Grow, grow, grow. And then the minute you decide to be content in the present with who you have around you, that's when we start to see the the fire, right? Is that what you're saying? No, I would say there was a there was a season of death. <laughs> there was okay, a season yeah. of death. Yeah, play of that crucifixion out. and death. So part of what I had to face <laughs> in my own life was I had to face that if things aren't happening here, don't go pointing the finger at everybody else. Stand there and look in the mirror. And God had to do some really deep work in my heart and in my soul. Okay, and, so okay, so now I'm seeing a cleaner picture. So the picture right. is 
I'm going to work my ass off to make sure I get people in this church. And then there's a, hey, we need to confront your ego a little bit here. It's not theirs. It's yours. And then the minute you see some death, and what is that death? Is that ego? Like what what died? Like what died in you to kind of move into that next season? Um, I think there the part of what had to die was what success looked like. That's part of what had to die. You know, success for me was not what the church was going to look like, but success for me is that I love that person well who was there with me. Was I fully present? Was I engaged with them? Was I offering them what God had given to me? Um, so, I mean, I think, so that was a big shift, and I, there was a lot that God had to do in my own heart and in my own journey to get me to the place to even be able to offer that to people, because I didn't really know how to offer. I offered it in form, but not at a heart level. So I could, I could care for people, but there was something deep inside me. I was just going through the motions, and people didn't know that because I was actually pretty good at it. Um, oh, they yeah, didn't know that they didn't know that at the core it, it was just it was just uh, performance. Yeah. They didn't really know that. But when when God did this deep work in my own heart, and my own soul, and I met Jesus in some transformational ways and experiences, and knew, and and discovered His unconditional love and acceptance of me. And, and this is and this is you what just really being honest with yourself and understanding what. Well, it's a lot of years of therapy. So yeah. let's just call it what it is. No, no, so I got you. I got you. <laughs> but I'm, in the midst you. of all of that, in the midst of all of that, God filled me up with something that I could now not only offer the same form I offered before, but out of a deep heart that was full of God's love and His longing for them to know God in this way. And when that started to happen, people got a little freaked out about it. They didn't know what was going on, and they're like, "Well, what's going on? Where's what's happening with John?" And it was. It was a few years past all of those changes where it started to spill over. We talk about it in our, we had to bleed stuff in the groundwater. You don't hit people in the front. You got to bleed it in the ground. Once the groundwater and they're drinking the water, yeah, then, then they're starting to do this with other people. And, and, and all of a sudden it's just starting to reproduce itself and you're, you walk through the lobby on a setting and you hear people saying, Hey, what's going on with your life? And they're just sitting there deeply engaged with them. And, um, you know, so that's just part of, I think, that journey, and that's created this, this inviting experience when people come in. They don't even know what it is, but there's something that they want to be a part of that's there. So you lose... Okay, so we're, ta- we're at where we're talking about death of ego. We're at, we are talking about, like, at some level, you're, you're taking the construct of success, and you're burning it, mm-hmm. but it has to die, so that means there's some pain. Mm-hmm. So you have a season of that, and then boom, was the quote-unquote content success the presence to be with people was that noticeable right away as the church kind of blew up or or where do you put that uh i knew it inside of me i didn't talk about it. i didn't say anything to anybody you know i just knew it inside of me i was okay i was good if god says hey i want you to just love and take care of these people till as long as i have you doing this job as long as i have you here on the earth i was like okay god that's what i'll do i was good with it Really, I was. And so when, when the growth started happening after that, I was really surprised by it. Everybody around me said, this is going to happen. I was like, okay, well, we'll see. We'll see. And before I was driving, I was the driver behind it. And everybody's like, what are you doing? You're crazy. You're out of your mind. You know. So now I'm not driving it. I'm just like, okay, we'll see. And then God starts doing this stuff in us the last couple of years that have just been pretty amazing. Okay, so there's pastors out there right now that I know are planting churches and I know have one frame of success and it's how many people and what the yeah, buckets in the seats. Yeah. How many people and how much the bucket's going to bring in? Yeah. What do you tell those young guys? I was just with, 
I was just with 12 young guys a few months ago, mm-hmm. all church planners from around the country, and they are all metricing out their life. It's like, yeah. if I got to have 50 on opening day, I got to have uh, 500 bucks in the bucket. What are you telling? Like, what's the one thing, 20 years sitting in the pulpit, what's the one thing they need to know to get past that, that, that season of egoic metric building? If this doesn't happen, I suck. You count, you keep track, because you have to do that. That's just being good at what you do. But then you just set that aside, and then you you ask God to help you be fully present and engaged with the people that are there, whoever they are. You love them, you pour into them, you be a part of their lives, you walk with them through the ups and downs of life, you invite them to explore what God's doing, what He's stirring up in their heart, where you see in God show up. Um, it's really loving people well. That's what it. That's what being a shepherd is. You know the sheep, right? That's what he, you know. That's what Jesus said in John ten, right? My sheep know my, my sheep know my voice, um, and they'll come and follow me. And so, do they, do you know them? Because that's what people want to be known. And in a small church, you can know that about everybody. As church grows, it's harder and harder, and a lot more difficult to figure out how to make those adjustments. But just know and love the people. And in God's timing, in his season, he's going to do something remarkable. He's probably not going to do something remarkable until he does something deep in you. So hold on tight, buddy. If you really want that, he's going to, he's going to take you to the, you know, through the ringer and back. So, um, but in the midst of that, can you keep loving people? I mean, in that season, man, there were so many Sundays. I was getting ready. I was standing in the shower on Sunday morning, just banging on the wall saying, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I, I am such a mess inside, and nobody knows it. I, and he would do something through me. I, mean, I, don't, I have no idea what you just did there. No idea. Yeah. No idea. All right, 32 minutes. Uh, we're two Does that answer your over. question? Yeah, no, but I'm good. No, it, it did. It did. No, it's good. It's, <laughs> it's good. It, it's good because I do. I, when I sit with particularly young pastors and we're hanging— yes. I feel their pressure to like do something big. And p- part of it is who they're talking to. Cause a yep. little bit, big guys see me at 52 and they're, they're literally kind of looking at me like, okay, how do I, you know, w- what's the you know pathway there? And then they're like, I gotta do something big. You did something big. I want to do something big. And I'm like, no, I don't think it's about doing something big. My spiritual director, Cheryl, and I tell people this all the time, tells me every, almost every single time I, I talk to her. She says, we're cooperating with spirit to be content, to be content. So it's really up to you at the end of the day to kind of move through those seasons and to bang on the shower wall and to stay in the game and to not define the world's bullshit success as yours and move into a space of presence. Okay, good. Um, You're the man. Part of the process over the next 40 days for me has been looked back at guys like you and women that I've also been talking because I've been talking to women too. Um, nobody, nobody knew that I had women friends, you know what I'm saying? So, um, like Pam or Michelle, even, even they don't know. Um, but anyways, I love you. Thank you for your influence. Thank you for sitting with me at Larry Crab in South Carolina. Where were we? North Carolina? No, we were, well, that was initially North Carolina, but it was really in Colorado Springs when. Yeah. So, dude, yeah. we, we had a great, we had a, oh gosh, those times were great. And then I've got to meet your family. Uh, your daughter gets married. Daniel goes to, I mean, it's great, man. I, I, I appreciate our friendship very, very much. And I thank you for it. Uh, and again, your influence, like you don't cuss. That's great. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, you don't use any. I'm the hand- nicer of the two brothers. Yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, and if people were to see us, they really would think of brothers. Okay, dude, thanks for being on the podcast. Great to be with you, too.
All right, Big J. Miklas. Cocalico. CCC. If you're in Pennsylvania, go to his church. Uh, good dude. Um, hey, I'm JR. JRMan.com. JRMAHON.com. Spiritual director and mentor. Hard decisions. Life got you down. I'm your guy. Uh, mentor, spiritual director. It's all on the website. You need me? A session? Let's book it. Let's do it. Enough lollygagging. Get up off your chair, man. I love you. Day 20. Gosh, I keep forgetting. Day 26 tomorrow. Thanks for being a part of my passion. I love you. <laughs>